Wild Card Friday Darby Cast. I've got a special treat for all of you Darby Cast doctors. This is possibly going to be the greatest Darby Cast that has ever been and potentially ever will be. I am joined today by my close personal friend, Illuminati Mike. Michael, welcome to the Darby Cast. I am so excited to have you on here. It's an honor to be here, man. Honor to be here. Well, we are going to get into it. I think we should jump straight into it. And um, Kyle's here per usual. He's pretty fired up. We got it all uh, going on. And I think I think we just got to jump straight to it. Let's do it. Mike, who are the Illuminati? Who are they? Well, it's interesting I first started looking behind the curtain, being heavily involved in religion. We actually were leaders in a international uh, religious movement. Who's we? Uh, myself and my, my wife. So we were Bible talk leaders in the Poway Unified School District. Okay. We had uh, one of the largest Bible talk groups in Poway. And at the time, it was always about relationships, building relationships. Sure. And through those relationships, you would find certain things hidden, much like the hidden hand in Freemasonry. And you would never think that you would find that in a religious order. But that's exactly what the religious order is. So you had some run-ins with some powerful people in that Bible study group. I remember you telling me about this a long while ago, but there were some major high net worth individuals in that group with whom you became close, with whom you became connected. Yeah. And you're essentially saying that was the proverbial tip of the iceberg for you. That was it. That was it. To find, to actually find that there was a hierarchy in these organizations. You have a front office church, and you have a back office church. Hmm. The front office is all about evangelizing. The evangelistic model comes from the largest church in the history of mankind, which was in Antioch. Okay. So that's where the disciples were called Christians first, in Antioch. You are certainly a biblical scholar. You are leagues and leagues beyond me and beyond most people that I know, you have been a religious scholar for how long would you say? I would say for the last 25 years, 30 years. Actually, that's an understatement. More like 35 years. Okay. I would say. So you have been dialed in longer than I've been alive, like an absolute pro. I don't think anybody's a pro. I mean, I know PhD. I have clients who are PhDs who actually taught at seminary schools, more than one, and not even they know everything. So there's no one I could actually say knows everything. We're constantly learning. We're constantly experiencing uh, the struggle between good and evil. I agree with that. I, it's The more you know, the more you don't know, the wormhole grows ever deeper as you peer into it. Absolutely. So the Illuminati, would they call themselves the Illuminati? 
or do they have do they have different names for themselves cuz i know kind of the universal idea of it is the illuminati right and maybe that's just a placeholder name for it but is there a better name to describe i guess some of the underlying and overarching power structures that exist in the world absolutely if we just want to look at the traditional illuminati which began which started with Adam Weishaupt, it was formed on a satanic holiday called Beltran. Okay. Founded on canonical principles of the Roman Catholic Church. But because religion has always been set up to be restrictive, matter of fact, the word religion means in the Greek, actually, it is religio, which means to restrict. Okay. Mr. Weishaupt happened to see this and felt burdened by it. And as a result, he began to form his own organization with counts, colonels, generals, bringing together the fabric of his society at the time in Bavaria. And in an effort, of course, to take control or infiltrate the religion of the Roman Catholic Church. So that was his desire from the very onset was to have an organization that can no longer dictate, especially to him and those of, of great interest, based on religion. Because I think religion had disappointed him. Sure. And with that disappointment came a desire to form another organization that can now control religion. Interesting. And so what time period was this in? This time period, roughly, we're talking... Prior to 1776. So the Illuminati was formed May 5th, 1776. So up until that time, and matter of fact, the book, A Fire in the Minds of Men, actually goes into some of the structure. Also, The Secret Destiny of America by Manley P. Hall goes into some aspects of this as well. Okay. But the main concern was they wanted to take control of all of Europe. Another great book also is Paul Robeson's book, Proof of a Conspiracy, which was written, I think, in about 1786 or so. Not to be too specific, but 1786. <laughs> You're a pro, man. Uh, these, uh, these men were struggling with the hypocrisy of religion. And in that struggle, they desired to control it. Who knows? I think it was trauma. They all had their own issues with psychological trauma, hypocrisy. It was a struggle to love their brother unless they can control religion. And I think that's part of where these ideas stem from, is in search of God. They failed to find him, so they created their own God outside of religion. Jeez, that's uh, that's a tall order. <laughs> what a soundbite. Um, I mean, this is fascinating, right? And you are far better educated than anybody who I would consider. I think there's a misconception when you talk about the overall concept of conspiracy theories, right? Yes. It's definitely a demonizing term to discredit any kind of critical thought or dissent that goes with alternate explanations to the goings-on of the world, right? And yes. so there's definitely that 
you take the word conspiracy theory and it's almost been married with the symbol of the tinfoil hat, right? That's but right. I think what's so fascinating is hearing you speak about things in such an intelligent way, talk about the historical roots of these underlying power structures where ultimately, I love that call out where it's coming from psychological trauma or psychological imbalance and then seeking to correct oneself through larger structures by imposing your will on larger groups of people. It's the ultimate projection, is it not? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So in that process, in that process, the Illuminati has become very effective in infiltrating the Roman Catholic Church. And this is clearly defined in the Protocols of the Wise Men of Zion. And it's William Cooper's book, Behold a Pale Horse. He actually goes into every protocol of the wise men of Zion written in, in the 16 to 1700s. Okay. No one seems to actually be able to narrow down exactly when it was written. But if we go through some 23 to 28 protocols, all of those protocols have been fulfilled. I'm not well-versed in this. You know, I am always fascinated by our conversations and I feel like I am just spellbound when you tell me all these fun things, <laughs> but occasionally, more often than not, actually, I feel like somewhat of a shameful ignoramus when you're <laughs> dropping these concepts and I'm like, okay, where, um, uh, what? So yeah, go into this. What are these principles? What are, go into it. So for somebody who's a Darby cast doctor, a tremendous well-regulated, sexy person. What do they need to know about this? What would you like them to know? Every agenda, every protocol that was written is now here. In particular, to dumb us all down using a curriculum consisting of ignorance, separatism, creating a people who could not think for themselves. So Take, for example, and I don't know the protocols by heart, but take, for example, that would be protocol number one. Okay. Okay. Protocol number two is to take nutritional value out of the food because they knew they would come into a time of uh, the information age and they would no longer need the slaves. So if you don't need strong slaves anymore, you don't need nutrition in a system of those who can grow stronger unify and take down the small group, hmm. which is these men who came up with these protocols of the wise men of Zion. So how small is this group realistically? Because I've heard, we've had conversations where we talk about uh, hierarchies of separate, call them secret societies, but yeah. they have interconnected roots. And I'm a big fan of the Canadian social psychologist, Jordan Peterson. Yes. He, I mean, one thing that he said that really blew my mind is that all hierarchies are self-organizing and that any organization, there is a top echelon. So sounds like what we're talking about is not necessarily the middle managers, if you will, but the C-level executives, right? So what does that look like? 
and I mean, the people who who are, I guess, quote unquote, pulling the strings, mm -hmm. how big is that group? That group is, I like to refer to them as the 15% RH negative bloodline. Okay. Uh, what does that mean? 15% RH negative bloodline is a combination of the bloodline of Amalek. Okay. And to have a finished product called Amalek, you would need to mix the bloodline of Edom and the bloodline of the Horites, which in your Zondervan Bible dictionary are cave dwellers. The Horite bloodline is the direct bloodline of the fallen angels, which are written about in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, which are the Nephilim, because the Nephilim actually have a bloodline called the Horites, okay? But you would trace that seed through your mother's bloodline, not your father's. Okay. So if you were to whip out your Zondervan Bible dictionary, and I should have I should have brought one with me today. Next time. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We can't remember everything. And by the way, uh, my mind is just like exploding and reeling right now. I'm trying to keep pace and conceptualize all of this. Yes. So fallen angels, Nephilim, yes. um, Amalek. Exactly. So Amalek, take for example, Amalek, uh, you can verify this in Psalms chapter 83. You can actually see the bloodlines who are opposed to the woman's seed. So that opposition is the same opposition of those who battled against the archangel Michael in heaven, and then they were, Satan himself was kicked out of heaven. So this is his offspring. This is his actual offspring called the serpent seed here on earth, which is your 15% RH negative bloodline. I have friends okay. who are RH negative. They say, Mike, you mean to tell me I'm the serpent seed? Well, everyone's not the serpent seed unless you have the Horite bloodline in your veins. Sure. But going back to that, mm -hmm. how prevalent is that? What is, I mean, are we talking a couple hundred? Are we talking a couple thousand? We I don't talking. We are talking probably a few thousand. It wow. Is, it has just been determined that Mr. Bill Gates is from that bloodline. Good old Bill, that computer dweeb, huh? <laughs> what a call. Yes, absolutely. Because it was no coincidence that his father was a eugenicist. And now what is he doing? What's his priority? Well, as soon as the COVID-19 thing kicked off, he resigned from Warren Buffett's board, as well as his own, to take on the full-time job of the vaccination program where he's invested billions and billions of dollars. Well, we've got to go into that, right? Because i that's just too juicy to ignore, Is that right? <laughs> that's, I, you can't tell me that Bill Gates is part of a serpent seed bloodline of a few thousand who has been moonlighting as a part-time eugenicist that's right. through a vaccine program. Absolutely. Just go into that. What's his end game? What are his goals? Why is why is he doing it? Global 2000 was actually introduced back in the days of Jimmy Carter, where the Club of Rome, which is a apparatus of the Committee of 300, elected to... Who's the Committee of 300? The Committee of 300 are the actual 
Babylonian bloodlines from the first greatest empire, which is the golden head of Babylon. It's biblically referred to as the Chaldeans. So okay. they were the hierarchy in the Babylonian empire, and they are the actual bloodlines that ruled the world. And they do this, of course, through their committee of 300. Now, in intelligence agencies, our hierarchy of intelligence, they refer to them as the committee of 300. And then Dr. Coleman came out with the book, wrote the book called the Committee of 300. The Committee of 300, along with the Tavistock Institute, they are the ones who construct psychological perspectives and they feed them to the people to shape our understanding about reality. And they do that by incorporating, presenting the Beatles to our society. They wanted to destabilize America early because they knew if we grew together and unified together and started calling on the one, we then could take down their small group. Interesting. So I'm trying to synthesize all of this because there's so much information all at once. So you essentially have this small group of people and you said Tavistock. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but really you could, I guess, call them shapers of perception and reality Absolutely. to obfuscate from the goings-on of their nonsense. So this group of 300, I've heard, I've heard Bilderberg. Is there any relation in there? As you hear about the council, the Bilderberg summit and all these people, they get together. You hear about what the Bohemian Grove, and I don't want to get too all over the place. I'm just trying to remember prior conversations Absolutely. that we've had where Absolutely. you've told me all of this information. And usually I leave and I'm like, I'm kind of reeling a little bit where I'm like, wow, I just got pummeled with amazing information. I need to like take a nap and hopefully my brain will just compile all this and make sense of it. Because you can, I mean, you have such a, I want to say, well-mapped out roadmap to all of this, and you can speak about it with such fluidity that I think even somebody as sharp as a Darby Cast doctor <laughs> might hear it and be like, whoa, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you slow down a tick? Because I know I do that. Absolutely. Uh, and granted, I'm kind of a big idiot from time to time, but <laughs> so- Let's tie this back in to good old Billy Gates. So we got into the Council of 300. Yes. Committee of 300. The Committee of 300, Mm -hmm. pardon me. Mm -hmm. And so where does he, where does he play into that? So he's an extension of these families from, you said, Babylon, the first great civilization. Exactly. So back then, Mm -hmm. those people were part of what you're describing as this serpent seed bloodline. That is correct. They are the priesthood. They actually control the entire world. Whoa. They are actually bloodlines with the serpent seed in their veins. So we're talking a gene pool marker here. They have a gene pool marker as well as the 85% of us who are RH positive have a gene pool marker and that marker has a name which uh, it will be revealed in my book. Fantastic. I, <laughs> I am so thrilled that you are writing this book. Yes. I, I'm excited to get 
you on this podcast because I enjoy our conversation so much. Absolutely. That I figured it would be an undeniable shame to not share some of our wild, wacky, and dare I say, illuminating conversations with some of these people of mine, the Darby cast doctors. Yes. I mean, this is, uh, it's fantastic. So Billy Gates, Uh he probably hates being called Billy. He can't (laughs) stand being called Billy. So he's part of this, this club. And I almost want to ask and like backtrack a little bit. Serpent seed. Is that just synonymous with being a part of that bloodline? Is there anything relative that goes back to Genesis talking about the serpent? Because in terms of the iconography of the snake, you have the snake as the deceiver, as danger and of the tempter. So certainly satanic in tempting those with all sorts of things. When Eve was in the garden and he was like, hey, babe, you want to taste this apple? It's not bad. And she was like, really? And he was like, no, seriously, you should try it. And then you have original sin and fall from grace and the rest goes on from there. So is there, you know, I've heard the reptilian bloodline. I've heard Yes. And is that more metaphorical or is that something that is, I don't know, rooted in any kind of biological phenomenon? Because I have a hard time bridging that gap and being like, yeah, there's lizard people walking around. Yes. And they, um, a bunch of fork tongue, quasi pot belly goblin demons. <laughs> and, you know, somebody hears that and they're like, whoa, all right, that's uh, that's a mouthful. And I think, I think it, that's, at that point, I think a lot of people will tune out and they'll be like, this is just like, that's bridging too far a gap. So is it, is there a metaphor to it? Is there a, an actual physical element to it? I guess is my question. I know I've just kind of gone on a long-winded monologue here. No, no, I love it. I love it. Let's start with the Garden of Eden, okay? Sure. The tree, okay? The tree of knowledge of good and evil, all right? That tree was not placed there by the Most High. Satan put that tree there. Okay. Satan, Lucifer, interchangeable? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. Okay. Because he was Lucifer in heaven, the morning star. When he lost his place, he became Satan. He became the devil. Okay. So when he lost his place in Genesis chapter 12, okay, and one angel took him down, Michael the archangel, not an army of angels, okay, according to the scripture. So he lost his place. He's been running out of time since he's been here on earth. The Bible speaks of him like a roaring lion going back and forth in the earth, looking for someone's soul he could take, Hmm. okay? Knowing that we're created out of love and what's created out of love cannot be destroyed. It lives forever. It's actual physical matter that lives forever. So in that tree, being planted there by him, which is the foundation of the cabal, it's the foundation of what is known as the Kabbalah, okay. the power of good and evil, okay? So the tree being placed there not by the Most High, and that's why he told us don't eat from that tree because he did not place it there for us. When we did eat of the tree, then we began to physically die 
We were made to live forever hmm. by the one. That's why, that's why when scientists tell me that the most high doesn't exist, how can the only source of love that you know of not exist? He's justified by his love, not by religion. We have it confused. We look at religion and the hypocrisy of it, and we go, how can a God be like this? Sure. And that's how we grow confused. We, we receive that trauma that we spoke of earlier and start starting our own committees and our own groups. That's how Adam Whitehop got his start because he was traumatized. Because... I love that you're bringing this full circle. This is fantastic. So... I mean, from my understanding of Genesis is that eating the forbidden fruit was for the end goal of being able to discern good and evil for oneself, right? And I look at the symbolism of such a thing. You look at what's the largest computer company in the world? It's an Apple, Apple. right? And you see those there you, go. you see those symbols that are littered everywhere and you know that the the symbols are they have a they have great deep esoteric meaning in some circles exactly but they're kind of hidden in plain sight the symbology that i know you know is it dates back to biblical times and that there is theological significance and i love hearing your your idea of and it's not your idea i mean that's that's really the greatest concept of god is the ultimate love with no opposite right exactly exactly and that when you have large organizations, and this is something I've talked about on the podcast before, is that any large organization over time will become corrupt. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a company, a government, a religious institution, you name it. As time goes on, you'll have people enter that organization who have very different plans than a love with no opposite, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you were talking about it in a religious sense, but I mean, if you're if you're talking about it in a governmental sense or a financial institution, anything like that, That's you can right. see how the corruption comes and that that is our ultimate fall from grace is going farther and farther away from God yes. through sin. And sin, what does it mean? It means missing the mark, right? So exactly. Satan as the great deceiver yes. tempts us to miss the target, to miss the mark, which is love with no opposite. How am I doing? You're doing you're right on it. Hell yeah. You're right on it. But now one of one of the things that we want to focus on is the reason why Satan being out of time, when he was kicked out of heaven, knew he was out of time. So what did he do? He went out to recruit his actual bloodline. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Most High says, I'm going to put enmity, which is hatred, between the woman's seed and the serpent seed. The serpent seed, RH negative, 15%, right? And then you have the woman's seed, which is 85% of us, the population, is the 85% RH positive. Okay. You can't mix those two bloodlines together because the 85% will cancel out the recessive gene pool. This is the battle. So in Hosea chapter 1, verse 10, I think it is, he talks about how Israel, which is 
the nation, okay, which is people, a bloodline, because Jacob was later given the name Israel. He had 12 sons. Right. A remnant of that blood, his actual bloodline, is in 85% of us. And in Hosea chapter 1, he talks about how Israel would be as plentiful as the sand on the seashore. That's us. It's regardless of your color, because you can be any shade, but you still have a remnant of that 12 tribes of Israel bloodline in your veins. That means that Christ will return for your bloodline. That's what he originally was crucified for. He paid for the sin. Now he's returning to claim what he's already paid for. This is what they know. This is what they are afraid of, the 15%. So you mentioned the lizard people. Yeah, heck yeah, I did. Uh-huh. So there were a group of people referred to as the serpent people before they were converts. And I was actually going to give you the place. I'll, we'll, we'll get to that another time. But, okay, okay. But the moral to the story is this. With your lizard people or, your, or, or part of your serpent people, because you have the draconians, you have the greys, you have the, you mentioned it. You said it, actually. What was the name of it? You, did, you called them lizard people, but there was another term that you used. Reptilians. Reptilians. That is an actual physical bloodline because Satan cannot take over. He cannot take over your body. He cannot make you in his image, but he can create his own. So the draconians the greys, the reptilians, those are all made in his image. So draconian, what, what's a draconian? We're talking about, now we're talking about the aliens who have been, uh, I like to refer to them as aliens who have been in our atmosphere, in and out of our atmosphere for the last 12,000 years. Uh, oh. Historians refer to our civilization being billions of years. Okay. Big who done it right there. Exactly. But the book of Enoch narrows down that we've actually been here. Hold on, take a quick pause. You got it. Okay. Uh Kyle just um he just spilled his drink. We can't have that, Kyle. You interrupted Mike while he was talking about the book of Enoch. Shame on you. Shame on you, Kyle. Why don't you have a little professionalism? Act like you've been there before and act like you're going there again. So Mike book of Enoch. The book of Enoch narrows down how long mankind has actually been on the earth. So at this time, we're looking at the last 12,000, actually 11,000 years. We're in the 11th hour right now. 11, I would say it's 1130, a quarter to 12 right now. Um, in what regard? So is this what kind of significance when you're Talking about 1130, is that something like the international doomsday clock by that group of atomic scientists? I don't know whether that's done at CERN or yes. somewhere else. And we'll, we'll but, get to CERN, too. That's an important point. CERN is an important point. You know why? I bet you're going to tell me. Because CERN was one of the forces at the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was built, Genesis chapter 11, when all of the people were unified together and they built a tower to get back out into space, Satan wanted to put his throne above the Most High. Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 15. 
is very specific in that. But the Bible is written in precepts. So Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. CERN was actually around at that time. And they were all united under one Babylonian language. But what happened was, since the Most High saw that they were unified under Satan, he split their languages into 70 different languages. Okay, so that's where your religions, your 70 different, 70 plus, because we have about 350, almost 1,000 different kinds of religion, along with 300 to 1,000 different gods. So, if not more, goodness gracious. If not I mean, more. If, if not more. Are you speaking purely of archetypes or, because I mean, we're now in a time that is monotheistic and you've got more of the agnostic and atheistic bend, which is not, I think what's interesting about a lot of agnostics and atheists mm -hmm. is they simply know not who they worship, right? Because they... It's not as though that impulse and that connection to the spiritual world completely evaporates. It doesn't just go away. You can't just be like, oh, I'm not buying it because something else will take the place. Mm -hmm. If if you know not who your God is, that's right. That's a that's, that's right. a bit of a that's right. Right? But but back to back to your timeline issue. Here's what marks the timeline, the twelve thousand year timeline. All of the empires that we've actually studied about in history, okay, at every level, starting with the golden head of Babylon, silver breastplate of Persia, upper brass thighs of Greece, iron legs of Rome, America being born out of the iron legs of Rome, which are France, Spain, and Great Britain. Then you've got the statue of the, of course, in the book of Daniel, and this is my foundation for this statement, uh, you have the the toes of iron and clay that would never adhere. So they were all polytheistic empires, and all of those empires had to be fulfilled before the first monotheistic empire would come. And so far, that empire has not come yet. What's that going to look like? Is that, that comes after Revelation? Are we still able to tie this into theology, or are we getting into... I mean, I know it's all related, but are we just getting into more of a civilizational discussion? What needs to be fulfilled? What's going to happen thereafter? I'm trying to track with this. So the polytheistic empires must be fulfilled. The what, last, is that, what does that mean? The last polytheistic empire is here right now. It's the greatest of them all. How do we know this? Because America, which is the daughter, she is the virgin daughter of Babylon, meaning she's never been defeated in war. Old Babylon has been crushed. She is the virgin daughter. Now, once the virgin daughter, who is worse than Babylon, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Egypt combined, she's huh. committed more sin, right? And you see that being fulfilled now. Well, who comes to bring the first monotheistic empire of our time? Christ in Revelations chapter 21. It's called the New Jerusalem. That would be the first monotheistic empire of all of the empires. Now, once the very end of the last polytheistic empire takes place, and we're living in that time right now. So you're saying that if the United States is a polytheistic mm -hmm. uh, society, so mm -hmm. there's multiple gods and we're worshiping. Multiple. 
mean, if you look at it, there's a lot of self idolatry. Yes. Where where you've got a lot of people trying to, I mean, talk about the Babylonian parallels and people trying to build themselves to sit above God, right? Right. That's right. And you see this in so many major cities, I think, across the country. Yes. Is that you've got a series of, and all things considered, the population of a lot of these cities globally, but if we're going to talk about the United States, significantly larger than the biblical Babylon, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the marker, the time frame, that's how we're in the 11th hour because we're in the last polytheistic empire of them all. I have the book. I should have brought the book. 300 different gods since Stonehenge have been worshipped. And they're the 300 war gods of Celtic mythology. And every last one of those war gods is worshipped today. Not the one. How do we identify the one? Exodus chapter 14, when Moses went to the mountain and he said, Who should I say sent me, Lord? And the Most High said to him, Tell the people I am that I am has sent you unto them. Mm. And this will be my name forever. So that is a English that spoken in English and is directly translated into the ancient Phoenician Hebrew, Ahaya. E-H-Y-E-H. That is the one. Ahaya. 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 H-Y-E-H. Also found in Henry Maycow's book, Illuminati 2. I know you love that book, Illuminati 2. Yes. That's that's one of your... uh... That's one of your favorites. You've mentioned that a, a million times, and I feel like I'm being, I'm just dragging my feet in not having a copy that I go through with a highlighter and seeing what's what, who's who. Yes. And yes. getting to the bottom of some stuff, you know? Absolutely. And you will. But this earmarks the 11th hour, 11th, 11th and a half hour, because all of the polytheistic empires are about to come to end. Donald J. Trump is the king who must continue for a short space in Revelations chapter 13. Donnie J, the king. Come on now. I mean, the this... last Trump. That's right. Wow, he's the God. last Trump being sounded. That's right. And we must pray for him because he's in danger. Boy, is he. Donnie J, he takes a beating on a daily basis. I was having this conversation with a gal who is very near and dear to me the other night you know her as well and we were just we were asking each other we said how does one guy take it all yes if i were in his shoes and i had 24 7 around the clock people being like you're a piece of garbage i hate you everything you do is trash i think psychologically that would be an immense burden that would destroy most and traumatize most. And so I guess I kind of want to ask you, how do you think he does it? How do you think he maintains even any semblance of steadiness, let alone avoids the kind of abuse that would induce in most a cataclysmic psychological meltdown? I couldn't have said it better. He knows he's appointed for spiritual reasons. He's actually put there because, as you know, as you know, they stole the election for Hillary. They had it paid for. The Rothschilds stole it. 
and had it paid for. And he slipped right through the cracks. And here we have him as president, who was put there to protect the ancient foundations. These men of the serpent seed want to remove all of the ancient foundations of history to earmark the one. They want them removed, but he's been put there to protect them. And in doing so, protect you and I, because they want to take us out with vaccines and skip traces, marking every man, woman, and child. So now we're bringing it full circle back to our boy Billy Gates, right? It's, it always comes full circle, man. And I think we could have an absolute jubilee. Yes. And that's another story altogether. Absolutely. If we want to talk about Jubilee, but I think you and I could have a, a heck of a time just riffing on Donnie J. That's right. But now that you take it back to the vaccine issue, yes, and we go back to Billy Gates because that's something that is a hallmark of the Darby cast is sometimes going down these side rabbit holes, periphery points, but ultimately bringing it back to the inception point and the central theme of the story, but. You have such a magical way, I don't know how to describe it as anything, but of taking these concepts and then synthesizing them with biblical references and giving a robust and illustrious explanation for the goings-on of the modern world. It's entirely impressive. But let's talk Billy Gates and his vaccines. What's Because that's certainly part of the conversation. Yes. And I think you have people all over the place online who are like, you know, vaccines are, and they'll give some kind of an explanation for why they think vaccines are either good or bad. But the people who are talking about vaccines being a big no bueno, so to speak, they don't necessarily describe it in the level of detail or with referential points as though you have the capacity to, right? Exactly. exactly. And so it comes off as being brutish, clumsy, ill-informed, and then people discount what they're saying and they write them off and they say, okay, whatever, Karen, you and your anti-vax right. chicanery, I'm sick of it, babe. You just get off the internet, Karen. We hate you. But like- <laughs> Talk to me about vaccines, man. What do you got? What do you got for me? We've got to stand together on this one. Because we know, especially my generation, we've had polio vaccines, smallpox, measles. Those of us who are still here, what do they want to do? They want to give us a hep C virus vaccine. Okay. Is that really necessary? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. It's, it's not necessary. What's necessary is good nutrition, good sound nutrition. What has been part of the problem or what has been part of the strategy for not having good nutrition? Taking the nutritional value out of the food. Sure. Knowing that they would come to this, to this point in time where you needed pre-existing conditions to depopulate the people. You needed them to have pre-existing conditions. So if you're not getting good nutrition all along, guess what? You're going to be prone to a vaccine. It's going to take you right out of here nice and slow. Interesting. So 
basically you're saying that the population is malnourished and that's not necessarily that's really not a stretch of the imagination it is not it's you see a lot of fat fucks and rascal scooters sipping diet soda that's right and listen diet soda is tasty but it's poison (laughs) is it not and uh, i know you've talked to me about (laughs) remaining in an alkaline state that's right and there it is to go back to one of your earliest points in our conversation of destroying people's nutrition exactly on purpose that that was something that was a concept developed by what was the fellow's name who was the original founder back in the 16 or 1700s i'm losing his name the the founder of well, it's one of the protocols. The protocols. Yeah, yeah that's protocols right. That's right. The wise men of Zion, because you've got live cells. So just like this virus, this virus is synthetic. It is not organic. That means your cells are not going to recognize it as something that was put here by the designer of the universe. Your cells... You're saying the coronavirus is... A synthetic. So what does that mean? This is a rabbit hole and a half. It'll, it is a bioweapon made in a lab. And Where? It, is it, it was, China? Can we was, be angry at China for this? It was made here okay. in the United States. It was made here in the United States. Now, if you're going to make a virus before you release it, okay, you have to you have to give a account here, my brother. You got to give a count. What do I mean by that? You're dealing with control freaks. They're not going to set something out there that they can't control. Okay. So that means there is a vaccine. There's been a vaccine all along. If your virus is patented, so is is your vaccine. What a call. I like that call. I don't mind that at all. I don't know where, you know, you have so many competing theories of where did the coronavirus come from? You've got people talking about, well, you know, some fella, he ate a tasty bowl of bat soup at a wet market in Wuhan. That's right. That was adjacent to their... Uh, lab of epidemiology and virology and That's all right. of their research. That's right. So where are you getting the sense that this was a U.S.-based kind of a whodunit? Because I think you would have a lot of people who would reject that and yeah. say, no, I'm chalking this one up to China. Yes. Chalking it up to China is killing two birds with one stone because ultimately the 15% RH negative would like like us to go to war with China. So this is a Hergelian dialectic with three heads. If the first head doesn't work, which is the virus, we'll go to the next head, which is put your knee on a black guy's neck until he dies. At least that's the way it looks. Then we're going to destabilize the population. What do you mean at least that's how it looks? Because they were actors. That's a big call out. I think a lot of people, I think this is a big call out and, you know, we're doing audio and, uh, and a lot of people might not even realize like, yes, Mike, you are of a tanner complexion. Yes. And I think that would upset the black community. It would be a serious affront and a slap in the face to so many people. And they would say you as a black man, how could you say such a thing? Where do you stand on that? What are your thoughts on that? Because that's been such a hot ticket item. Yes. That, yeah, just go into it. Because I feel like I've tried to talk about it, but Mm -hmm. as a brother with 
just a <laughs> bit of fairer of a complexion. I'm like, oh boy, this is like a this brother, is, this a brother is with no melanin, time. a brother with no melanin. Wow, what a call. The <laughs> I have seen footage, I have cross-examined, uh, I have compared notes. What looks like it was staged by actors and financed by George Soros, much like Black Lives Matter, okay. much much like NAACP, much like Black Panthers, all funded by Zionist in an effort to destabilize our society that we would fight against each other. This is their professional separatist. Professional separatist. So exactly. That's I think that is such a confusing point. And I've touched on this. I'm not on kind of these deeper cuts that you're on. Mm -hmm. This is basically most of what you said today is just a big old news flash to me, which I appreciate. I always do. But I've talked about this before where it's you can be in favor of the well being of black people without being a supporter of Black Lives Matter. Exactly. You can be a supporter of females and their well-being without being a feminist. Exactly. Right? It's My a, point exactly. Right? So that's something that I feel comfortable talking about, but you bring in a totally different level of analysis to it where you're saying these groups are not what you think they are. They are intentionally sowing chaos exactly. and division and separatism. Exactly. And they're financed. And they're well-financed. So where are they getting that money? Here's a great example. Here's a great example. How can groups, or I should say gangs, because I grew up in gangs living living in Detroit. I, you grew up in the D. I grew up in the big D and, and actually lived and fought in gangs, okay? That's why you always reverse. You told me that's why you reverse into parking spots in case you got to bone out real quick in case the shit goes down. I remember you telling me that, and I was like, it's, we it's had different truth. childhoods. It's the truth. You and I grew up yeah. different experiences. It's, it's the truth, totally. And how can kids or young adults can't qualify for a $500 credit card? How can they come up with MAC-10s and Uzis and... These weapons were dropped into the communities to promote black-on-black -black violence. Sure. And, and then once the young adults are killed, they're already stitched back up by the time you go see the body at the morgue and their organs have been removed. They're already sold on the black market. Whoa. And this has been the intent with drive-by shootings, with black-on-black -black crime from the very beginning. It's... An organ harvesting racket? It is a, the United States is only number two to organ harvesting to China and it's real time organ harvesting now. So that's why it's so important to gather the DNA evidence that you need that goes into a database. And in real time, if you needed an organ, you can go to that database, find that person, locate them, get rid of them and literally take the organ that is needed. And a great example of that is with our vice president uh, and the young man. He was 17 years old. Pence. Uh, no. Oh, you're talking uh, for, former vice prior, president. Prior to Pence. Uh, Biden. Couple, not Biden, but uh, Halliburton. The Halliburton. Oh, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. 
Dick Cheney actually got Trayvon Martin's heart, the 17-year-old who was killed. Get the heck out of here. And we actually what? have evidence of that. Uh, but that's just an example. That's just an Cheney's example. ticker is came from, from Trayvon? From a 17-year-old. Cat's out of the fucking bag. Cat's, big cat, way. cats out of the bag. Before Rockefeller died, John D., he had seven heart transplants. What? Seven. Seven. So what we're looking at here is we're looking at a coming of a new world order. It's actually the old world order brought about in a new age of Satan. And that new age is almost at an end. And how do we know that? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Christ says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, yes. baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you till the very end of the age. Right. That age is the end of Satan and his seed. And then comes the new Jerusalem in Revelations 21. And his first stop is Bozrah, Isaiah chapter 63, where he goes through and wipes them out. He gets his garments soiled with their blood. Now, why would a white Christ come back and go to Bozrah, which is the capital of Edom? Edom is derived from the Caucasus Mountains. So you're talking about a bloodline that grew up in the Caucasus Mountains, and he's going to go there and wipe those guys out. Why would a white Christ depicted through the Roman Catholic Church come back and wipe out his own people? Why, indeed. <laughs> and we, we, we're coming up. Mike, whoa. Just uh, shot just fired. a tidbit. I'm just a tidbit. Okay, so we're coming up on an hour right now, and I generally I don't go I don't go this long, and so like I said, I kind of want to break this up into multiple parts. So our conversation right now will continue, but I'll kind of put some wrap up comments and just say, perfect. Listen here, Darbycast doctors, if you have enjoyed this Wild Card Friday, which has been wild and amazing indeed you're going to want to tune in next friday for the second part of this Absolutely. so we're going to continue our conversation you have a great weekend but it's you're you got something even more exciting to look forward to next friday what a thrill <laughs>